Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Jessica, and we are joined by one of my friends, Joni Libert, who I have known for several years, and I met through this podcast. So kudos to this podcast for bringing us together, um, because she had her own podcast, and now she has a new podcast. That was really confusing. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> but we are joined by my friend, Joni um, because she has a new podcast called The Sad Moms Club, which is amazing. It's a podcast all about postpartum support, specifically in Utah, just basically linking you up to every resource that ever existed in Utah for those postpartum and pregnant. The, yeah, I was like, it's antepartum when I was like in labor and delivery, but I don't think people use the word antepartum yeah. except for in labor and delivery. So I was like, no one does. I you're right. I don't, yeah. But it, technically it's antepartum. <laughs> um, so, so all of those resources, it's like the best podcast. Truly, if you're in this world at all, AK, have you had a child or will you have a child? Or do you have a friend who's had a child or will have a child? Then you need to listen because it is a phenomenal podcast. Joni is currently in school. She's about to be done. She is going to be a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Nailed it. Which just so many letters. So you probably know what I'm talking about when I say PMHNP. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what she's going to be. Okay, so that probably clicked in your mind. But she's been going to school. So she was a nurse for my dad, actually. That's and true. then she has now basically gotten a degree so that she can prescribe meds and do therapy, right? Yes. And diagnose. Yeah. And diagnose. Yeah. That was you the know. longest intro I've ever heard and I loved it. And I know. Thank That's you. That's who she is. Yeah. <laughs> so she's really good. She's credible. And honestly, so she's here today to just share information that she's learned through doing her podcast by talking to all these es experts on postpartum things she's learned things that like she's discovered and things that we think will help you guys to know so we're happy to have you thanks happy to be here <laughs> I don't really know how to go about this do you want to ask questions or should I just start chatting just start chatting but the <laughs> thing okay actually I do have a question okay. shocker you know okay so one of the most interesting things that when we've been talking about this that I found is you said to me um, that things that come up before you have your baby and then after you have your baby postpartum are things that will kind of follow you and go with you throughout your motherhood journey. And I just want to kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's just been more my experience with seeing moms like over the course of the, I guess, over the lifespan. I see moms at like age 20 and then I see them in like their thirties and their forties and their fifties. And it's just the same stuff, but they haven't dealt with it. Um, so it wasn't really like a podcasting. It's just something I've like noticed that because I worked postpartum first, um, 
So let me back up. I worked at a place called Serenity Recovery and Wellness, which is in Riverton in Provo, Utah, as a therapist, like intern for a year and loved it. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place, because I realized people don't know the resources that are already here. Mm-hmm. And so like with that lens, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. But then as I met women for medications, I realized these are the same problems that come up. So the things I see a lot... um, I wrote them down. No one's prioritizing their own needs. Um, That's like one of the biggest things. A lot of their identity is around motherhood. Um, The mental load. So we can kind of talk about all these things, but those are like some of the big things that come up regardless of age. I don't know. Do you guys find that you like see those in your friends or in your own life? I mean, Myself, I, feel like I just yeah. checked all three of those boxes. Like, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. all of those are issues and have guilty, issues. guilty as <laughs> charged. Yeah, <laughs> truly. So let's start with uh, the first one. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's pretty common that when people have a kid, they start just fully focusing on that other human being because they can't take care of themselves, and because it kind of like all interweaves, but because we. Moms typically take on the whole load of parenthood and uh, the domestic load. Their needs kind of just fall down to the bottom of the list. Um, and they stop taking care of them and they start feeling horrible or really ragey. Um, they do things that they said they would never do, like, you know, scream at their kids or shove food in their kids' faces, or like things that they did not think that they were the person they thought mm-hmm. they were going to be. Um, well, and things that you don't want, like you do it and you're like, who am I? This yeah. is not who I want to be or who I, even like, it feels like kind of out of control, you know? Yeah. And I have yeah. like moms be like, I kind of want to like run away or like maybe kill myself. And I'm like, oh, well, the alternative is to start doing things for yourself. <laughs> you can choose. It seems like a clear, it does seem like a clear decision when you say it like that, but when you're there and you're like oh I could go do this or I can do this for my kid it just is so easy to be like well I should do it for my kid yeah it really doesn't feel like a choice to them it's like I would rather just quit my life than to keep going because there's no time for me and then it's it's a lot of like problem solving of pushing back I'm like I think you can I think there is time but I think you need help like you can't do this by yourself so then it's like goes into that like mental load of like where's your partner where your support people and how can they start supporting you so that you can be the person you want to be? And anyways, I don't know. Do you guys, this is where I felt comfortable being on this side of it. <laughs> um, did you guys experience that when you guys were becoming moms? Yes. Like, specific story? <laughs> like, was it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think for me, it was very interesting because like that, that feeling and that need of having to take care of your child, it's just like, man, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. And you're mm-hmm. you kind of adopt the the idea that like you're it. And then I have been having this discussion with a few of my clients who are mothers. It's like the concept of the devoted mother. It's like, what is a devoted mother in my history? And that is like, oh, the mom that like takes care of everybody else, serves everybody till her fingers bleed, never puts herself first, never does all these things. This is the devoted, valued mother. And so then we have like that idea that that's what we need to be. That's what's been modeled to us. That's what's good, right? So then every time we make a choice to choose our child over ourselves, we're being that good, devoted, valued mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like that belief in there is like, uh, 
obviously very, very problematic because like you said, for me, when that started happening to me and I'm like, I'm the devoted mother, I need to do this. It's, it's way better if I don't eat and I like feed my children and bathe them and put them to bed and I don't eat anything until 10 PM. Like that is the right choice. Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, I get ragey, I get irritable. I am resenting my children. I'm resenting my partner. And then Overall, and then when just then when you were saying like, oh yeah, but I push back with a confrontation, and I'm like, well, maybe you can, like maybe you can do this, and then that for me would like present the, but that's another thing for me to figure out. I'd have right. to find the babysitter. I'd have to find the childcare. I'd have to find the best gym option. I'd have to yeah. move my body and make it do yoga. You know, <laughs> that's more work and I can't do more work. So yeah. I like what you said. I think for me, at least as like a young mom, that piece of like, it sounds like you need help. And you're like, yeah, uh-huh. I definitely need help. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that, like the system is not really set up to support moms. Like you're kind of, if you're in a heterosexual sexual relationship, the guy leaves after often a week or two, sometimes longer, which is fantastic. But then you are literally all by yourself. You're often living by yourself with this baby that can't talk. And it's really not that interesting. Um, and then you also have this component of like your brain after pregnancy is like primed to take care of baby. It is not, it, it's like it's more of just like an evolutionary thing so that the baby doesn't die, but it can turn into this more of like anxiety and um, just total dropping of your own needs. So they're all just like so connected. It's hard to stay on topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they are, they're all the same thing. Right. And that's what you're saying is like, these are all the same thing and they will follow you for as long as you don't address it. And that is the reality is that, I mean, I have addressed the mental load regularly with my husband since my first was born but we literally had to like three months ago once again sit down and be like it's falling onto me again like it just naturally wants to come back and so you just have to keep addressing these things like they really do just if you don't consciously address it it just piles up and becomes very problematic because yeah you do turn into like ragey irritable angry mom and then you just feel guilty about that. And then it just is. It's this cycle that if you don't get on top of it, it's not a very fun way to live is the mm. reality, you know, of like parenting is no longer fun for me because I'm resentful towards my kids, my husband, you know, the stranger on the street that looks like they have it together. The person <laughs> on social media. That's we like all hate that stranger. Doing yeah. something fun. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, you guys didn't have twins. So, you know, <laughs> like it truly is like it becomes very problematic, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And it, it is like everyone imagines motherhood to be this beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think anyone's having that experience. Like I may have talked to like one person, but they don't tend to come in for medication. So I don't, I don't know those people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not who you're seeing. Yeah. My is like, there's periods of like really beautiful. You feel really good and on top of it. But then mm -hmm. I feel like things start to slip and that's where you have to like be watching, you know, because you're kind of like, Oh, I had a moment of beauty. This is great. This is how it's always going to be. And then all of a sudden it's not. And then you're like, wait a second. How did I get here because I was enjoying it so much last week but now look where I am you know mm. totally yeah. I try to encourage moms to find something that can be scheduled 
because mm-hmm. it then you don't have to think about creating that time for yourself. So like if it's a class or um, Taylor, weren't you the one that went to the gym and drank your Diet Coke and sat on the bike? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. That, Taylor. that was her. <laughs> Me and my prime, everybody. That's my favorite story. I actually had a swig cup the other day in my car with water in it, but I brought that onto the treadmill and I thought, oh, this is like what Taylor did, but I have I actual know. water in this. <laughs> You're hydrating your body. Yeah. yeah. but yeah like the more you can have scheduled things that allow time for yourself then you don't have to like think about it and plan it every single day or every single week Mm -hmm. um but I get that that's work and it's hard but I just kind of push back and it's like well what's the alternative like are you going to do this until you're 50 because you will like they just you don't stop people tend to not stop until they challenge it and figure out a way to start taking care of themselves Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a habit, right? Like habits are formed by doing things over and over and over. And so if you're putting yourself on the back burner over and over and over, it just becomes second nature. And I think that's why people do it for literal, like for decades. That's crazy yeah. to hear that mm-hmm. you're seeing these same patterns and same problems over decades of life. And so it's, it's like, okay, let's create a new habit. What what can you do that gives life to you in your day. I think that's a great reframe to think of it as a habit. And yeah, like if you keep using it, you're going to strengthen that pathway over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. I, I feel like that kind of like what, how I see it present in their like forties and fifties when their kids are starting to like get older and leave the house is that they say, so I did this and now half my life is over and they don't want me around anymore and I don't have anything to fill my time. And like, I was just a mom, which, you know, like we can talk about how they shouldn't say just like, obviously that's a lot of work, but that's what they, that's where their entire identity was. And now they're left with nothing and they just feel, it's like almost like an identity crisis, like in your twenties, again, in your forties and Mm fifties. Well, and I feel like I'm even just starting to see that with friends now as their children are starting to age into school and they already feel that like they don't need me like they did and so who am I if they don't need me in this way like oh my gosh you kind of just feel like untethered and like yeah it's like you have this sole purpose and this thing to put all of your time and energy to which is wonderful but we have to remember that like motherhood is so someone the freckled someone do you guys know who i'm talking about no some yep the freckled no is it the no okay we're gonna look this up and put it in the show notes but it's someone that we follow on the thoughts pod account and i really enjoy her stuff and she says that motherhood is a role wait motherhood one of them is a role and one of them is a relationship right so like being a mother is a relationship but like parenting is a role Right. Where it's like, okay, my job is to provide food for you. My job is to take you to school. My job is to support you through these things. But then on top, like, so you have to like dissect it and realize like, okay, part of my being a mother is just like a job for me. Like I'm a stay at home mom. That is my job. And then motherhood separately from that is a relationship, which is so beautiful and transcends that. And that's something that like my husband has too but he does not have the job of being a mother. Right. And so there's just like, you have to differentiate these roles and realize like, okay, 
my job is being a mother, but I have to have more to my life than just my job. And I think that that's what we real we don't really realize is that, yeah, if I'm putting all of my time and energy into my job, like if my husband did that, I'd be like, you are a workaholic. You need to do something besides your job. Right. Mm-hmm. But we don't view it as a job. We view it as like the highest, holiest, most perfect thing that we can do with our lives instead of realizing like, no, actually like cleaning the house and making food for kids and taking them here and there and whatever, like that is, if you are a stay at home mom, that is your job. Right. And if you're not a stay at home mom, then you get to do your job and then come home and have those elements of the motherhood of the job part of it. Right. And so we often, if you like parse it out, we're probably very rarely resentful about the relationship of being a parent, but we're probably very resentful about like the role and the job that comes with being a parent, you know? And so I do feel like you have to parse that out a little bit and realize like, okay, some of these things are like work duties and maybe I could like offload some of these and maybe do this differently and look at this and, you know, and like try and prioritize the relationship when that's needed and then prioritize the working when that's needed, but seeing it that way and then realizing I need to have a life outside of my job. And so I can't just be a mother because that's putting all of my time and energy into one thing. And that just doesn't make us like whole people, you know? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think, um, so something I would talk to patients about a lot is like, if you think of a pie chart before you had kids, often there was like many pieces to your identity. Like maybe you were a dancer or a hiker or you're a friend, you're a daughter, like you have all these pieces to you. And then often once you have a kid, it's like 95% mom, 5% like other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's better. That's better. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, so how can we start like including more things in your life? Like it's not going to look the same as when you had no children or when you didn't have children, but there was more to you then and there can be more to you again, but you have to like be more intentional about it. About it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is hard is when people have kids very young, they don't always figure out what they like. And I don't think it's wrong to have kids when you're young, but I just think you have to start experimenting with like, what do I enjoy and what what do I hate and how do I like spending my time and what recharges me? Um, I feel like I went through that when I graduated with my bachelor's because like school was just my life up until I was 25. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I have no hobbies. I right. I don't know what to do with my life. So I had to figure it out, but I didn't have kids I was trying to figure it out with. So I get that that's like a harder thing to do. Yeah. Now I'm like, what are my hobbies? Hobbies. I KJ's recently gotten me into sourdough, so that's <gasps> that is my true. Recent you guys have joined you. the sourdough following. We have Sour we have Taylor Swift did mention it at her concert, and I was like, <gasps> yes, Taylor, T Swift, T Swift, that is a hobby. She wrote like a you know like a multi million dollar selling album, and was making fun of people for doing sourdough instead of doing that. But you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, Taylor. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, like truly beyond making sourdough, which also still feeds my family. What else do I do? I don't yeah. know. This yes, podcast. This is, that this is, is true. our, our my probably my longest standing hobby <laughs> since right. becoming a mother, you know? <laughs> yeah. Little thoughts pod. Yeah, I think it's worth thinking about. And I always, I feel like it's one of the hardest things for moms is because they're like, I, I don't, I don't have hobbies. I don't have time to figure out what my hobbies are. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of why I say like, maybe take a class or just go hang out with a friend who does something different than you and see if you hate it or if you like it. Um, yeah. But it, it is hard. Like I don't try hobbies unless I have like a mentor. I'm very much like a mentor person. You teach me how to do this, then I will do it or I won't do it. But I can't just like go to a class by myself. So it, and that kind of like, also lots of moms are lonely and they don't have friends anymore. And so yes. <laughs> that you kind of have to start there, maybe even maybe put hobbies to the side or, or make friends through hobbies. I don't know. It's hard yeah. being a mom and I'm not even yeah. one. I just watch it. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can also maybe to start is identify your limiting beliefs around hobbies. Like mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. Or my big one that I just realized was like, oh, I didn't start that in high school or I didn't start that in my early 20s. So now I can't do it in my 30s. Like, oh, I was I didn't run track in high school, so I can't go out for a jog because that's just not who I am. But that is such a limiting belief because I feel like you can be different versions of yourself throughout your life. And that's kind of fun, like to figure out what do I like at this stage? So, I think another yeah. one. Oh, go ahead, Taylor. No, no, no. I was just saying I like doing things I'm really good at. And so that's mm-hmm. why it's hard for me. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. It's yeah, like, yes. You have to like let go of the limiting belief. Like I'm going to be great at this. It's yes. Like, I might yeah. just do this because I like it. Like you don't have to like win or be good or the best at everything. We can just do it because it rejuvenates yes. you. Because it's mm-hmm. fun. But I'm like, but fun is being good. So clearly I have some <laughs> things to work through right there. <laughs> We could just really go to town on that that line right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel confident you can do that yourself later. Taylor's going to be like in bed like, okay, yeah, okay, I do need to let go. I got this. I got this. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, Logan's favorite technique with me, and this is so childish, but he tells me that I cannot do something and then I do it. And then you're like. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, now I have to do it. Even though I know he's like doing that for a reason. Even though it's like reverse psychology, but it. You yep. see it happening, but it still works. Can't put out yeah. that flame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk a little okay. bit more about the mental load? Yeah. Yes. I like that I one. I feel like that is every time I see Joni post about that, I'm like, ooh, that hits. Mm. So, like, mm. this will be released after Easter, but like, that's an example of a holiday where I feel like there's like a whole other like layer of mental load. I feel like it comes with holidays yeah. and birthdays and like someone expectations. In the yes, is yep. thinking about like what to put in the Easter basket and what to do with this and what to do about the egg hunt, but we can't have it outside because there's so much snow. Like there's just yeah. that yeah. layer of stuff going on over top of like have my children eaten today? Have they you know, just all of that. So what do you guys do to kind of cope with the mental load? And 
What do you tell your clients like how to work on that? I actually did this today, you guys. I, Easter is coming up. Zero preparation has happened for my poor four children, right? I've started to see all the prep online and people in their baskets and all that stuff. So Logan was home from work today and I was working. So I said, hey, why don't you go get the Easter stuff? And there was a part of me that was like, make him a list of appropriate things that go into a child's Easter basket, right, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you can do this. right. Like, and I'm like, okay. Like, and then I said, you know what? I am giving, I am relinquishing the Easter basket. Yes. And that was like, took me a second, but then I was like, I literally don't care. And he came back with the best of <laughs> thing. Number one, an electric pencil sharpener. my kids are constantly complaining that we have to like hand sharpen our pencils he bought an electric one he Mm -hmm. bought um scotch tape so much scotch tape because with children who like to tape things and craft things you never have enough scotch tape 100 percent. all water balloons i'm like what but (laughs) they're gonna love all of those awesome functional things I didn't have to think about it. And I said, well, what about that um, fake grass that you put in the basket that clearly cannot be an Easter basket without fake grass? He goes, no, no, no. Your parents have a paper shredder, Taylor. It's full (laughs) all the time. My parents live next door. He goes, I'm going to go over, get a bunch of paper shredded scraps, fake grass. And I was like, he thought about it. Done. Done. (laughs) Done. Good job, Logan. So that was good. And normally I'd be like micromanaging up the wazoo, but I was like, no, my kids are happy. They will be happy. He's doing this. I don't have to do it. It's great. But there is a certain level of letting go, letting go of expectation, letting go of comparison, letting go of like, I'm not a good mom if I don't have the most adorable baskets Mm -hmm. because it don't matter, you know? Yeah. True. I... I think the expectation part of it's really good to talk about because like lots of times I think we do things because we think we have to, and it's good to be like, do I care? Do I care if my kids like wake up with like an April fool's day joke? Do I care if my kids, and like, I see these things and like, now that I've kind of like understood what the mental load was, by the way, I learned this all from Jessica on like a girl's trip. So Kudos to Jessica okay. for introducing we me to did Fair Play. Podcast episode on this earlier, which inspired then the conversation with Joni on one of our infamous girls trips, where all we do is talk. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. This one was in the Tetons, which was fantastic. Oh, but I like remember okay. it because it was so like meaningful to me, and I was getting married, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we're having this conversation like soon and always because yes, regularly, yeah. yeah. Because I don't want to be resentful of this person I really enjoy being around. Um, And I'll feel it, but I just want to be able to talk about it when it comes up. Um, And so that expectation piece, like, I think I had it in my head that I always wanted to have, like, the kitchen clean at night because that's what my mom did. But I honestly don't care sometimes. Like, some nights I care, but I don't care every night. I'm fine if there's dishes in the sink sometimes. And it's something I've had to realize because... Trevor will be like, you know, I don't know. We've just had conversations where I realized that was something that was not said that wasn't actually important to me, but I felt like I needed to, to do it and to meet that expectation to be like, to have a nice home, to be a good homemaker, which I don't even like really identify with that word, but 
but I think it's so ingrained in us that I don't know. I still want to do it. Yeah, it is a real thing. No, I mean, I think we do have these. And so what Elliot and I do is we have a literal list typed and printed out. It's probably on this computer desk where I'm sitting right now (laughs) because we literally got to the point where it just was like the resentment builds. And so then I have the choice to like, you know, like do the passive aggressive remarks and whatever, or we can say like, oh, we need to reassess the division of labor in our house. Right. And so we reassessed it and it was fine. And now finally, after so long, I can finally look at a house plant and not be like, do I need to water that? Does Elliot need to water it? Because now I know that that is a hundred percent Elliot's job. And it is so nice to just like, let it go and move on, you know? And then I definitely, like we talked about front loading postpartum. We did an episode about that. And it is so, so, so massive to front load and to do that by dividing the mental load before your child gets here and then reassessing it as they're actually here. And you're seeing like how it's actually going because, oh my gosh, talk about an unfair, crazy division of labor. is just the fact that like, if you breastfeed, your husband cannot feed the child. Like, I feel like that warrants him taking on basically everything else. (laughs) But I personally shared that load equally because we both fed our children because ours were all formula, which is lovely. But I'm just like, it's stuff like that where I'm like, you have to talk about this stuff regularly and often. And the more often you do it, the less resentment builds and the less like explosive and emotional the conversation is. Like there's less tears if you just like have it regularly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, this is kind of like I had a hard time with this this week. Can we figure out how to, you know, I didn't have time to do the dishes at night. So can we figure out something where either you do it or we don't do the dishes or you do this so that I have time to do it? You know, like it's just adjusting and talking and, you know whatever but being very aware that in our culture the mental load does most often fall on the female that Mm -hmm. just is reality and everyone's always like well you know but my husband does so much and I'm like yeah until you write it all down (laughs) like that's the reality is like you think that they're doing a lot because they did a lot more than like the generations before right Mm -hmm. and maybe they do a lot more than other people you see so you're just grateful but when you write it down it's actually like oh, actually I'm doing like 90% of things, you know, Mm -hmm. like it just, yeah. And in the book Fair Play, which is where all this comes from, there is like, she talks about like the most difficult relationship to maintain is one where you guys want to step out of this like patriarchal like structure, but you keep slipping back into it just because that was the culture you were raised in but you want to be different. And so you're trying, and that's the hardest thing to catch because you have to be like very conscious of going against everything unconscious. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, what's hardest about the postpartum is that basically you're just functioning unconsciously. Well, think about like, even when you're a kid, what do you play with a doll and you feed Mm -hmm. them? Like you have lots of kids have kitchens and they like, I saw like a vacuum. I'm like, this is part, it starts when we aren't even like realizing what's going on. They're just toys we're playing with because we're, we see our models, our moms, and we want to be like them. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, it makes sense. It defaults to us. And so you do have to be so mindful and really have a lot of conversations and and push back on it to find a new gender like 
equality for your family. Yeah. Um, I think to answer your question, KJ, the thing I like to do specifically with moms who aren't even like, they don't even know that that's what's going on. They're just telling me I'm really overwhelmed. I really like my husband. It's usually husband. I really like my husband, but he's driving me crazy. And I'm like, well, what all do you have to get? What do y'all are you doing? Like, what are you stressed about? And they start like creating these lists for me. And then I basically tell them, I want you to actually write down that list and then have a conversation with it, with your husband about it. Um, And then the other thing I do is there's this, this cartoon that you guys should link in the show notes that Mm -hmm. just talks about like the mental load and like a five minute. Yeah. It's by Emma and it's like a feminist comic and it just pops up on Google when you search it. I would read it with my patients and like start challenging, especially when they don't really have that feminist uh, perspective. I'd be like, this might challenge some of what you think, but I think you might identify with it. And at the end they're like, Oh yeah. 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 That's me. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. But I think it's uncomfortable, at least in Utah, because it's literally part of the LUS doctrine that you will mm-hmm. nurture and that the male will provide. And so you're mm-hmm. pushing against some pretty deep tradition and like doctrinal things that these people yeah. have grown up with. And so it, it takes some time and that's totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just like, well, you have to find what makes you happy so you don't want to die. So yeah. let's challenge this. <laughs> <laughs> worth doing the work, right? Yeah. That's worth doing the work for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. To circle back to, uh, it is the freckled, I think it's like Han, like Hannah maybe. Oh, you still yeah. don't yeah, know? Hannah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's the freckled Han. And she talks about separating caregiving from motherhood. Mm, so okay. that makes it way more clear, right? So like caregiving is your job. Motherhood is your relationship. And so the more you can separate those things out and realize like you can outsource the caregiving and sometimes you should, and sometimes you should do it differently and you should share that. Right. But then the relationship, that is something that you need to prioritize. And then you figure out how to fit the caregiving in, in a way that is more of a job where it's like, okay, nine to five, I'm doing caregiving. But then after five o'clock, I'm sharing equal all of you know and you just have to adjust it so there you go that's what it is Mm. so that that makes more sense now that you guys listen to all my blog (laughs) that you're like oh okay caregiving and motherhood they're perfect you wrapped it up in a bow yeah i think that's a good place to stop (laughs) yes yeah okay well joni thank you a million times for being on the podcast we appreciate your insight and your genius and you guys should go over to the sad moms club and listen to some podcasts and follow her on the Instagram because she has some good reels and just like, there's such good information in there. Like you guys don't even know. So jump over there. And uh, I think that's all we have for you today. Thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye. See ya. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.